0: Good day. This is KUAF 91.3, a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. This is Ozarks at Large for Monday, January twenty 2022. I'm Kyle Kellams. In about four and a half minutes on our show, Marshallese immigrants for years couldn't be police officers in Arkansas. But as Ozarks at Large's Jacqueline Froelich reports, that's changing.
1: The Marshallese community is so special in my district and has such an important and vital relationship with this nation and we should be doing everything we can um, to listen to what their concerns are and how we can as lawmakers expand opportunity and fairness
0: her report just ahead on this monday edition of our show the arkansas department of health reports a decline in hospitalizations because of COVID 19. in the last 24 hours there has been a net reduction of 26 patients in arkansas hospitals but there are still more than 1600 arkansas hospital beds with virus patients. There were just more than 3,800 new cases diagnosed in the most recent 24-hour testing period and another dozen deaths from the disease. Total deaths from COVID-19 in Arkansas now exceed 9,500 people. The number of hospitalizations in Arkansas continue to be at higher levels than this time last year when another surge of COVID-19 was hitting the state. In his weekly press briefing held on Friday, Governor Asa Hutchinson said steps are being taken to expand bed capacity and he said he's optimistic about the near future. We're hopeful that uh, we'll see uh, these cases go down first and of course even after the cases start going
2: down or decreasing in numbers then you're still going to have hospitalizations are there as a lagging indicator in deaths. We have still a lot uh, to do here, a lot more to go through, but uh, we have position
0: ourselves uh, in the best way possible uh, to get through this. The University of Arkansas begins a second week of classes today and is reemphasizing masking rules as COVID cases continue to mount in Arkansas. Masks are required indoors on campus. Regardless of social distancing, a mask can be removed inside a private office or room. The University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences is notifying patients of a breach of patient information. UAMS officials say they became aware a former employee sent emails from her UAMS email to her personal Gmail account with patient information attached on November 15th last year while still employed with UAMS. The attachments consisted of Excel spreadsheets used for internal billing compliance, auditing purposes, and or billing statements addressed to UAMS for reimbursement. The former employee who voluntarily left UAMS contends it was a mistake No credit card, debit card, bank account, address, driver's license, or social security numbers were included in the information. The attachments did not include any clinical documents or medical records. Sunny and warmer today with highs in the upper 50s in northwest Arkansas, lower 60s this afternoon in the Arkansas River Valley. Tonight, a few clouds, lows from 25 to 33, and tomorrow, mostly sunny but with more winter-like temperatures. Highs tomorrow reaching into the upper 30s in northwest Arkansas, mid-40s tomorrow afternoon for the Arkansas River Valley. This is Ozarks at Large, a bill to allow Marshallese migrants to officially train and serve in Arkansas state, county and municipal law enforcement failed to pass the state legislature last year. But as Ozarks at Large's Jacqueline Froelich reports, the bill's sponsor, State Representative Megan Godfrey, ended up resorting to an alternative measure.
3: Arkansas Representative Megan Godfrey, Democrat District 89, Springdale's author of House Bill 1342, the Marshallese Law Enforcement Act, filed last January. The measure would allow non-immigrants legally present in the U.S. under International Compacts of Free Association to be certified law enforcement officers in Arkansas.
1: It was a piece of legislation that was several years in the making, actually. The idea came to me from... Marshallese Consul General Eldon Alec, who, um, whose office is in my district in Springdale. And he informed me of the issue of Marshallese citizens who are here through the Compact of Free Association. They can work, live, um, you know, they, they are a welcome part of our community and our country, but because of the way
3: Arkansas law is written, they cannot serve as law enforcement officers. Godfrey represents thousands of Marshallese migrants in her district and credits Republic of the Marshall Islands Council General Eldon Alec for pressing her to propose the bill. She also sought insight from Springdale Police Chief Mike Peters and Washington County Sheriff Tim Helder. She says HB 1342 received bipartisan support and several sponsors, but died in committee.
1: My role as a member of the minority party played an important factor, unfortunately. Uh, in its ability to garner support and passage out of committee, um, the the objections that were raised um, were were primarily two main objections: one that non citizens should not be law enforcement officers, regardless of you know citizenship status, or regardless of you know the special um, compact of free
3: association or the legality. The bill failed, despite broad support from the governor, as well as Arkansas Associations for Police and Sheriffs, Godfrey says. Under a Compact of Free Association, Marshallese citizens are legally allowed to travel to the U.S. to live, work, obtain health care, and enroll in school. In exchange, the U.S. government maintained strategic military operations. In the Republic of the Marshall Islands, where in the 1950s, the U.S. tested nearly 70 nuclear bombs contaminating land, water, and islanders downwind. And that's another reason, Godfrey says, to accommodate Marshallese in the U.S. While barring her bill from progressing, she says, opponents advised her to seek state administrative approval instead through the Arkansas Department of Public Safety Commission on Law Enforcement Standards and Training.
1: My colleagues who pushed back were correct in saying Hey, we can just change this in administrative rules. If public safety wants to do it, sure, we can do it. We don't need to pass a law to do it. Um, That is true and ended up being what happened for
3: county and municipal officers. Godfrey's proposed law would have qualified Marshallese migrants to serve as state police and auxiliary officers. The approved administrative rules don't, she says. The draft administrative rules were promulgated by a Godfrey in cooperation with the State Department of Safety Secretary Jamie Cook.
1: The commission approved it unanimously, and so that kind of set the, um, the effort to change the administrative rules um, into motion. And just recently, um, as of January 1st, the rule change went into effect. And now at the municipal and county level, you can be certified as a law enforcement officer, um, if you are a COFA migrant or if you are Marshallese.
3: State Representative Megan Godfrey recently announced she won't seek re-election in 2022. Conservative redistricting, she says, vastly reduced her majority-minority constituency base, the main reason why she entered public office in the first place. You
1: know, the Marshallese community is so special in my district and has such an important and vital relationship with this nation. And we should be doing everything we can Um, to listen to what their concerns are and how we can, as lawmakers, expand opportunity and fairness.
3: Republic of the Marshall Islands Council General Eldon Alec, headquartered in Springdale, says Northwest Arkansas police need Marshallese speaking officers on hand at all times.
4: I know it's going to solve a lot of problems here because I I deal with a lot of Marshallese. And a lot of them have told me that, uh, because a lot of them, they don't mean to break the laws. They just, there's a big communication gap, barrier there.
3: In Arkansas, Marshallese maintain their indigenous cultural identity as well as their unique language. New migrants, Alex says, tend to be unfamiliar with Arkansas laws. The RMI consulate has a comprehensive Facebook page that provides all sorts of resources to help them to assimilate.
4: Arkansas, uh, specifically Springdale, with the lost Marshallese population here, uh, there's Marshallese everywhere. And... uh, in the evening, there's is walking around, doing things, and I talk to the police officers all the time, and I also talk to some of the parents. And a lot of time, that communication gap is the one that gets these kids in trouble. A lot of times, they're just going home, and a lot of some of them have told me that uh, they, right off the bat, they feel threatened when a white officer just stops, stop them, and so right off the bat, they feel threatened and they just shut off. And what I end up happens is they call their parents and sometimes they give their parents tickets. And I, I think this is going to solve many, many of that problem.
3: Two Marshallese Americans in recent years have served on the Springdale Police Force when recently leaving his post for new opportunities. A third, Joe Minor, a native of Majuro, works at the Washington County Sheriff's Department.
0: Uh, I started my law enforcement career with the Washington County Sheriff's Office 2016. Right now I'm a corporal. I basically uh, do the jail side at the moment.
3: Minor first hired on as a civilian employee. After completing jail standards and detention training, he earned the rank of deputy first class. When the corporal position opened, he tested for that rank and was selected. But under the new state rule, he's now enrolled in the Northwest Arkansas Law Enforcement Training Academy in Elm Springs. Minor, a Compact of Free Association migrant who came with his family to America as a toddler, testified before the state legislature that he's tried to enroll in the police academy for years, but was blocked by his migrant status.
0: So I told him about the struggles and what I had to go through. And I didn't want that to be like that with other people that are trying to join this line of work.
3: When Minor learned that new Arkansas administrative rules allow Marshallese citizens to train and obtain law enforcement credentials,
0: I was very happy because it was a great greatest opportunity to uh, go to this um, academy and get to be certified. And now others that are going to want to join this lot of work, they wouldn't have to go through the struggles that I went through. So it was a greatest you know feeling ever.
3: Ironically, Marshallese Nationals have for over 30 years been allowed to serve in the U.S. military. Consul General Eldon Alec, as a youth living in Oregon, served in the U.S. Army, which he says changed his life.
4: You know, I joined the military and I got that like Army scholarship fund and I came out and I, I think I was more mature then. I learned a lot in the military. Don't they really teach you discipline? and? So when I got out, I was more prepared for college.
3: Melissa Leylon is executive director of Arkansas Coalition of Marshallese, which supported the draft bill allowing for Marshallese migrants to serve in Arkansas law enforcement.
5: If, if people don't know yet, uh, Northwest Arkansas has uh, the biggest concentration of Marshallese uh, outside of the island.
3: Islanders come to Northwest Arkansas where work is plentiful in slaughterhouses and food processing plants, but more islanders are enrolling in college, starting their own businesses and seeking careers. And I think it's an, uh, an affirmation of the relationship that the U.S. government has with
5: the,
4: the Marshall, Marshallese government.
3: Um, but I think for, for me it, it, it's big and it's a big deal because We are a society.
5: We are a very important part of this Northwest Arkansas uh,
3: fabric. Um, And we continue to grow. Um, So it is another way of giving uh, to this society. Like Consul General Alden Alec, Lelan is among many Marshallese, she says, who served in the U.S. Armed Forces She believes Marshallese veterans, in particular, are well-positioned to also serve in county and municipal police forces. For Ozarks at Large, I'm Jacqueline Froelich.
0: Arkansas passed more anti-LGBTQ legislation than any other state last year, according to a new report from the nonprofit Human Rights Campaign. Last week, the group released its annual state equality index. It grades states based on laws and policies that either support or target members of the LGBTQ community. Catherine Oakley is state legislative director and senior counsel at the Human Rights Campaign. She says Arkansas was the only state in the country to successfully pass legislation banning gender-affirming medical care for transgender youth.
1: It's really scary for them. It's scary for their parents. And while that particular law has been enjoined by the court and is not currently in effect, uh, the prospect of it going into effect is truly terrifying. And it's, it's deeply unfortunate that this is the direction that Arkansas has decided to go.
0: The state legislature last year also approved a law that prohibits transgender girls from playing on girls' school sports teams, though that law is also on hold pending further court action. Despite that, Oakley says a record number of states earned top marks in this year's Equality Index.
1: The good things that are passing are smaller. The bad things that are passing feel bigger. But there are actually more good things passing than bad. And we are on uh, on a trajectory of increased cultural understanding and uh, and increased legal equality. And so we just have to keep pushing on both of those fronts.
0: Arkansas, along with 21 other states, received the lowest ranking in the index. You can see the full report at H r.c.org. the walmart amp and rogers welcomes back
6: the artists behind the top 40 hits out of my league and hand clap fits in the tantrums co-headlining their summer tour with southern soul band saint paul and the broken bones thursday june 23rd tickets are on sale now amptickets.com or 443-5600 for tickets and information
0: still ahead this hour music from our lobby Friday afternoon, Mia Jeldon performed as the second guest in our new monthly series of intimate concerts, The Lunch Hour. That's ahead on today's show. University of Arkansas Libraries will benefit from anonymous gifts totaling $5 million. The gifts will translate into an endowed dean's chair and a professorship. And two named spaces in Mullins Library on the U of A campus. University officials say the majority of the contributions will come from a planned commitment with three million dollars endowed for an endowed dean's chair and a million and a half dollars reserved for an endowed professorship in special collections. Another six hundred thousand dollars will support phase two of the Mullins Library renovation and create a materials and preservation area in special collections and an office suite for Arkansas Folk and Traditional Arts a program of university libraries. And the Rogers School District is recognizing two educators with this year's Legacy Awards from the Rogers Public Education Foundation. The awards acknowledge efforts in education from people who are deceased. The 2022 Legacy Award recipients are Lloyd Phillips, a former high school vice principal and sports legend, and Kathy Davis, former teacher and director of the Rogers Pre-K Center. Before beginning his career in education, Phillips was an outstanding athlete at the University of Arkansas, a two-time All-American, and the 1966 Outland Trophy winner. He was a member of the 1964 National Championship team, and he played for the Chicago Bears and the New Orleans Saints. He was a first-round draft pick in 1967 by the Bears, later named a member of the College Football Hall of Fame in 1992. And prior to her death in 2021, Kathy Davis was preparing to begin her 47th year in education. For the last 14 and a half of those years, she served as the pre-K director for Rogers Public Schools. The two will be formally recognized as part of the Wall of Distinction banquet that will be held in April presented by the Rogers Public Education Foundation.
2: U of A Geosciences Professor Jill Marshall studies geomorphology, and one thing that interests her is how mountains become sediment.
7: One thing
3: I study is the mechanics of how trees, when they're inserted into rock near the surface of the earth, of how they damage that rock, open it up with cracks, and eventually turn it into disaggregated rock or sediment. Every day that tree is tapping on the rock and it turns out those little, little tiny taps, given enough time, can actually begin to change the porosity, how much void space there is in those rocks.
2: In the latest Short Talks from the Hill, Marshall discusses a recent grant from the National Science Foundation that's allowing her and colleagues to study the effects of climate change on Arctic watersheds. Listen at KUAF.com or ArkansasResearch.uark.edu, the home of research news at the University of Arkansas. And in conclusion, let me state for all to hear and to heed, the public peace will
0: be preserved. That voice, very familiar to many Arkansans of many ages. It's Orville Fabus. More about that in a minute. First, let me welcome to our Monday broadcast, Randy Dixon with the David and Barbara Pryor Center for Arkansas Oral and Visual History. Randy, welcome back.
2: Thank you, Kyle. It's great to be here.
0: All right. What do we do each Monday? We go through some archives, don't we?
2: Yes, we do. We try to pick a different, interesting topic. I hope everyone listening thinks so. But, uh, you know, last week, we profiled Daisy Bates and her involvement with the Central High Crisis. And I just I found so much uh, additional material that, you know, you and I discussed maybe uh, doing something a little more, right. more on the crisis itself and uh, specifically on the Little Rock Nine.
0: And what we heard to begin our visit this week was Orville Fawbas talking about keeping the peace.
2: Right. As he, as he put it. Um, and that's, this is what really started it all. He, uh, brought in the Arkansas national guard and by keeping the peace, he basically, uh, blocked the nine African-American students from entering central high when they were registered, uh, by the NAACP for school and, uh, came in and they, they were met with very angry mobs, uh, that were cursing them and throwing things at them and spitting. Uh, And Father said he was doing this to bring about the peace.
0: Mm -hmm. So here he is. Here's some more of him.
4: Now that a federal court, however, has chosen to substitute its judgment for mine as to how the peace and order should be
2: preserved, I must temporarily at least abide
4: and therefore I have issued orders that all units of the Arkansas National Guard stationed at the high schools in Little Rock be removed therefrom as soon as this can be accomplished. They are now gone or they are moving from the school grounds.
0: Arkansas Governor Orville Faubus. Um, so we've heard from him now. Uh, Let's hear from one of the nine teenagers who integrated uh, Central High. Tell me more about what we're going to hear.
2: Well, this is Ernest Green. Um, He was actually the first African-American to graduate from Central High. He was one uh, there, and these are his sort of reflections um, on—this was several years later— uh, but, but his remembrance and thoughts on Falvis' actions.
4: As he talked about all the impending violence that was going to occur, and he was doing this for the safety and the well-being of everybody in Little Rock, uh, I thought to myself, he ain't talking about me, uh, and I don't think he has my well-being in mind.
0: Ernest Green, one of the Little Rock Nine. And-
2: he certainly didn't agree that uh, he was wanting to bring the peace no. for at least those nine students.
0: Right, and, you know, a, a, an extended population of of the state's largest city. Uh, yes. Yeah, so uh, the entire, or almost the entire planet's eyes were watching as this happened, and uh-huh. it was documented uh, in newspapers and newsreels and in a documentary you found.
2: Yes, and uh, this sort of just, uh, describes the, the first day of class. The first day is over. The battle lines are drawn. The position spelled out. School integration has been stopped. And the only peace in Little Rock
4: is armed peace. But for Judge Davies, the law comes first. He issues a summons ordering Governor Faubus to answer for his actions in using the National Guard to block the admission of the Negro students. It is hereby ordered, paragraph one,
0: a documentary about the first day for the Little Rock Nine, where- and that
2: in the judge he's talking about there uh, is U.S. District Judge, judge Ronald Davies uh, of North Dakota, who's the person who uh, ruled, um, and it eventually went to the Supreme Court that segregation was un- unconstitutional.
0: Right. We're, we're listening to some audio clips from the Pryor Center for Arkansas Oral Visual History about the Little Rock Nine and integration of Little Rock Central. Another one of the nine students who helped integrate the high school was Terrence Roberts.
2: Yes, Dr. Terrence Roberts, who we heard from last week, uh, who actually confronted um, Orville Faubus on Good Morning America on the 25th anniversary. But these are his thoughts years later about that first day.
4: Uh, I can recall the the wide open mouths and the the glazed eyes and the attempts to spit uh, at me over the shoulders of the reporters. And I could see them as I looked over and I could hear, and I can still remember uh, the kind of statements. Uh, A lot of obscenities.
0: Now, earlier we heard from Orville Fahmas and this became a very high profile Um, sort of battle between the governor's mansion in Little Rock and the White House in Washington, D.C. President Dwight D. Eisenhower was president and uh, he, you know, he countered every move that uh, Governor Faubus made.
4: In speaking from the House of Lincoln, of Jackson, and of Wilson, my words would better convey both the sadness I feel and the action I was compelled today to make and the firmness with which I intend to pursue this course until the orders of the federal court at Little Rock can be executed without unlawful interference. This morning, the mob again gathered in front of the Central High School of Little Rock, obviously for the purpose of again preventing the carrying out of the court's order relating to the admission of Negro children to that station of federal law at Little Rock, Arkansas.
0: President Eisenhower and the 101st Airborne uh, coming in. Randy, you worked for um, years in Little Rock, of course, at KATV, where many of the archives that we hear come from after they're digitized. I'm sure that when you were working there at KATV, you would hear people talk about, you know, this era of Little Rock, probably, you know, at least once a month or so.
2: Oh, yes. And and we always, there was always uh, an anniversary.
0: Right. Um, there was, you know, the 5th, the
2: 10th, 20th, 25th. Um, and as a matter of fact, next year will be the 65th anniversary, if you can believe it. Wow.
0: Uh,
2: of the crisis. And uh, Bill Clinton in, uh, I believe it was 99, uh, had a huge uh, ceremony at Central High and, uh, was given the, the highest civilian honor to, to each of the nine. And they were all living at the time. Right. Uh, I don't know if you're, everybody's aware, but, uh, one actually has passed. There are only eight still living. Uh, Jefferson Thomas died in 2010. So, uh, you know, a 65th anniversary and you still have eight of right. nine alive. That's, um, That's pretty amazing.
0: It really is. Uh, So when you were working at KTV, you were still having stories. Of course, when it was all unfolding, television stations would ask people, the old person-on-the-street interview technique, and you found um, some of these from uh, the contemporary then times of what people were thinking. What do we hear here?
2: Well, there there are three different man-on-the-street interviews, and you can tell... um, By the tone of all three, they are quite varied. Right now, you know, they're just letting in the uh, higher students. But by the time I'm a senior, they're just going to be letting all of them in. And
4: I don't know about that, 'cause there's going to be some pretty low and pretty mean people out there.
3: I think that integration is inevitable, and I think that the younger generation, my generation,
2: realizes this. And I think a great deal of the difficulty has been because of parents and older people pushing. The students at Central High. I believe that an appeal should be made to the extremists of the population of Little Rock, Arkansas, who have caused all the adverse criticism by the United States and the rest of the world towards Little Rock to restrain their emotions and their prejudices so that a, an orderly um, negotiation can be made to dissolve the situation in Little Rock.
0: So the 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 you know we heard from the first person who uses these sort of ugly euphemisms
2: Quite racist yes the the,
0: the young the, the young woman who like hey this is happening and adults butt out let us do it yep
2: yep and the third and fellow, then that last guy I don't even know what he was talking about <laughs> he <laughs> to tell you the truth he obviously what do you think
0: I think he was concerned about the reputation of. Little Rock, because it was getting such yeah. a a bad reputation over this and and if you grew up in Arkansas, let alone Little Rock, you know the the lasting impact that this had um and so perhaps he was just it sounds like he was wistfully wishing it could just evaporate and take care of itself
2: yes, yes,
0: all right, so we've heard from Ernest Green earlier now he. I think he. earlier we heard him reflecting on the first day, now he's going to reflect on the entire year.
2: Right, and this was uh, this interview was recorded uh, right after his graduation, and, you know, he is uh, very diplomatic in his answer, don't you think? Yeah. What's it been like this year? It's been what you expected, or? Well, from the beginning it wasn't quite what we expected, but adding all things together and... Putting all the sides together, I think it's turned out to be, uh, well, I would say an interesting year. <laughs> I guess that would be an understatement, but when you put all the sides together, we've had some nice times as well as some
4: rough times. And I think all in all, it's worked out rather nicely.
0: Ernest Green, one of the Little Rock Nine, and another uh, one of the, the Nine talking uh, years later. Uh, who is this?
2: Yes, and yeah, Melba uh, Patillo has had quite a different. And I think it may have been the amount of time Mm. that had passed, uh, but she had a completely uh, different turn on uh, what that year meant to her.
7: By the time school had ended, I had sort of settled into myself, and I could have gone on for the next five years. It didn't matter anymore. I was past feeling, I uh, I was into just that kind of numb pain where you say, hey, I can make it, do whatever you'd like, and it just doesn't matter anymore. But uh, I came home, and, and by myself, I walked to the backyard, and I burned my books. I burned everything that I could burn, and I just stood there crying, looking into the, to the fire and uh, wondering whether I would go back, but uh, not wanting to go back.
0: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, thanks, Randy, for uh, last week and this week bringing these archives in and uh, letting us um, not forget uh, many of the um, uh, emotions and machinations that uh, the state went through uh, almost Well, maybe we years can do ago.
2: something a little lighter, lighter next week. What do you think? <laughs>
0: yeah, I, whatever you bring in, I think, is going to be interesting. Um, okay. But before you and I visit on the radio next week, we're going to visit online this week, Wednesday night.
2: That's right. Prior Center Presents, we will do an online sort of, I guess you would call it a lecture, but it's going to be more of this program except for with video. So we get to show the pictures that go along with the audio that we're playing for you.
0: It's going to be live. That should
2: be a lot of fun. It will be live.
0: It will be live. There will be a time uh, after... We've shown some of the videos, and after we've talked about them, there's going to be an opportunity for people to um, submit questions as well.
2: Yes, and uh, it's at 6 o'clock this Wednesday, and you can go to the Prior Center and register. It's free, but you need to register to be able to get the link uh, to sign in. So it'll be from 6 until about 7.
0: Prior, Oh, go ahead. We're going to
2: have some interesting things.
0: Yeah, priorcenter.uark.edu. You do have to register. It is free. And and here's the thing. You said you know it's from six to seven. We've had a couple of phone calls, you and I, where we've been deciding which archives we want to share. Yeah, I think
2: that we've made a very long (laughs) list that we're going to have to pare down, and that's what we'll uh, we'll do. Today, so we'll be ready yeah. for Wednesday. How's that? <laughs> yeah, because our
0: first draft, I think, was going to take us to about eleven p.m. So we're gonna we're gonna yes. have to trim that some more. But that's a good thing because then maybe we yes. can do another one. Hey, that'd be fun. All right, Randy we'll Dixon. See
2: how this
0: one goes. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. Randy Dixon is with the David and Barbara Pryor Center for Arkansas Oral and Visual History. We will visit live online Wednesday night at six. Go to PryorCenter.uark.edu to register. Randy, I'll talk to you Wednesday night.
2: Hey, I'll actually see you. That's right. Tonight, right. <laughs> That's
6: okay. Right. Ozarks at Large is underwritten, in part, by the Walton Family
0: Charitable Support Foundation. This is Ozarks at Large. The new season of Undisciplined is here. The podcast, a collaboration between the University of Arkansas's Department of African and African-American Studies and KUAF, and produced by Ozarks at Large's Matthew Moore, launched a second season earlier this month. Host Dr. Carey Banton's guest for the first episode this season is Dr. Ernest Eufenuwe. He grew up in Cameroon, then came to the United States to study at Vanderbilt University. He's now a researcher at the CDC studying HIV and AIDS. On this episode, they discuss his work, as well as the similarities between the HIV and AIDS epidemic and what we're facing right now with COVID-19. The episode, as well as all of season one, can be found through all major podcast distributors. New episodes are going to be dropped every other Wednesday throughout the winter and spring. Speaking of podcasts, a reminder that the daily edition of Ozarks at Large is also available as a free podcast. You can hear each day's episode by just subscribing through your preferred podcast distributor. And by the way, if you miss an edition of Ozarks at Large, you can also ask your smart speaker to please play Ozarks at Large. And then you'll hear the most recent Daily edition of our show.
7: Let's say you burn your hand cooking dinner. You go to the emergency room. You wait. Nobody actually treats you. So you leave. And then you get charged anyway. It didn't have any details whatsoever. It just said this is a bill for $1,012. I'm Elsa Chang. That story this afternoon on All Things Considered from NPR
0: News. You can listen to All Things Considered today from three to six on KUAF 91.3. You can also tune in by asking your smart speaker to please play KUAF.
6: The Science Venture Studio in Fayetteville, helping early stage science and technology companies, is looking for women in STEM fields. It's scratching the surface on KUAF. I'm Pete Hartman. The Science Venture Studio is part of Startup Junkie, a nonprofit working to help area entrepreneurs. Katie Thompson is director of the Science Venture Studio she says the program, titled Empower, is something they've wanted to do for some time.
5: Very excited about this new accelerator. We'll be launching it, um, actually, uh, in a couple of weeks. This accelerator is aimed for all women that are in STEM that have an innovation, that they are, you know, idea stage. It could be, a, you know, they might have a, a prototype, but the idea is for them to think deeply about their innovation um, and how they could possibly grow it um, and develop it through the uh, federal funding. But these proposals have, you know, very specific things that the researcher needs to address within the proposal. And so, what we are doing with this accelerator um, is taking those women um, and just asking those deep questions for them to to think about their innovation as well as, you know, if they were to develop it, what would it look like?
6: The first round of this Empower program is set to begin in a few weeks, and the first five women participating have ideas for four proposals for STEM in the medical fields, and one is a software development for the travel industry.
5: I mean, it's just amazing to hear you know, how these women even got the idea or, you know, what pain point that they have seen within their world, how they can see their innovation making an impact.
6: Part of the Empower Accelerator that excites Katie the most is that local leaders in STEM will serve as mentors to the participants, one to help with the technology aspect, as well as one for the business side of their ideas.
5: And so they'll have that support, you know, already built in um, as they uh, continue down this Journey of developing their innovation. The reason why we are doing this accelerator is because we know that women um, especially need support in this ecosystem.
6: Katie Thompson, director of Startup Junkies Science Venture Studio. Find more at scienceventurestudio.org. Scratching the Surface is a production of KUAF Public Radio in Fayetteville, a listener supported
0: service of the University of Arkansas. A pleasant Monday. This is Ozarks at large. We certainly had a pleasant Friday at KUAF. The second installment of our new series of in-house concerts, The Lunch Hour, featured Mia Jeldon. Though we couldn't invite you to the station for this particular lunch hour, as we remained vigilant toward the surge of COVID-19, we did live stream the music, and those of us lucky enough to work here, masked up, went into the lobby, and listened from a safe distance. Here are a couple of the songs Mia performed with Nathan Tubbs accompanying on guitar.
7: Of an old rodeo Just give me one thing That I could hold on to To believe in this living Is just a hard way to go This flies in the kitchen I can hear all their buzzing, but I ain't done nothing since I woke up today. How the hell can a person? Guys from Montgomery, make me a poster of an old roadie. Hall. Just give me one thing that I. seriously thank you so much you guys for having me this last song we're gonna do is um off one of our eps it's called home sweet home um and one of our favorites to play so yes i just am so appreciative of being here you guys are amazing my bones everything inside my soul baby you have
0: Mia Jeldon with Nathan Tubbs playing guitar in the lobby at the Carver Center for Public Radio on Friday afternoon. The performance was the second edition of our new monthly series, The Lunch Hour. It's produced by Jasper Logan, and that session was recorded by Timothy Dennis. The crew from Lens Audio was here filming the concert, and The Lunch Hour is presented by George's Happy Hour on Dixon Street. It's a happy hour tradition in Fayetteville. Our culinary partner for this lunch hour was Mockingbird Cafe in Fayetteville. You can see the podcast version of our first edition of The Lunch Hour featuring performer Bang and Jeremy Gothrop from Woodstone Pizza by going to the KUAF YouTube page. This is Ozarks at Large. Walton Arts Center presents
6: A Conversation with Fran Lebowitz, moderated by KUAF's Kyle Cullums, Friday, February 4th. Fran Lebowitz, author, New Yorker, cultural satirist, is known for her humorous social commentary on American life. This conversation between Kyle and Fran is expected to extend beyond the page and into the unknown. WaltonArtsCenter.org or 443-5600
0: for tickets. Tomorrow on Ozarks, we bring you more music from the Carver Center for Public Radio. This time, Buddy Shoot on guitar and Mark McGee harmonica playing original music from their brand new CD, Hard as Nails. Mm Acoustic Blues from the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio to your ears on tomorrow's Ozarks at Large at noon and 7 on KUAF 91.3. And from anywhere by accessing the KUAF signal through our free KUAF app. The Arkansas women's basketball team is now 3-3 three and three in conference play following yesterday's 74-54 victory over Mississippi State. Up next, a home game against number 11 LSU Thursday night in Bud Walton Arena. The Arkansas men's basketball team is now 4-3 in the SEC after Saturday night's 76-73 overtime thriller, a win over Texas A&M in Fayetteville. And the Razorback men's golf team, ranked fifth in the nation, opens their 2022 season today at the Arizona Intercollegiate in Tucson. And the Spark Foundation is adding another road race to its running portfolio. The What's Your Spark 5K in Springdale is a family-focused 5K and 1K that's scheduled for March 5th. There are school participation prizes for the top three Springdale Elementary and Middle Schools with the most participants. Cash prizes of $1,500 and $250, respectively, will be donated to support the winning school's health and fitness education programs. And registration for the race is pay your age for all participants 15 and younger. And also, scholarships are available by emailing Carrie at director at mysparkfoundation.org for an application. The new race from the Spark Foundation is supported
4: by TRS Healthcare. I'm Scott Tong. The upcoming Winter Games in Beijing will depend almost entirely on man-made snow. As temperatures rise, might we see the end of the Winter Olympics as we know it? Also, amid a rise in sexually transmitted infections, California is now requiring insurance companies to cover at-home STI tests. That's next time on Here and Now.
0: Here and Now, just ahead, beginning at 1, after we finish up here. The United States Postal Service now taking orders for at-home COVID-19 tests. Households can order four rapid tests, which the Postal Service says will be shipped for free in late January. Orders can be placed online at covidtests.gov. And the University of Arkansas' Associated Student Government, in partnership with the Arkansas Foundation for Medical Care, will host a Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine clinic tomorrow. This is for members of the University of Arkansas campus community. It's going to be held tomorrow from 11 in the morning till 3 in the afternoon in the Arkansas Union Ballroom, and it will offer first, second, and booster doses. No appointment is needed, and it is free of charge. If you'd like to know more about vaccine clinics taking place on the U of A campus, you can go to Edu. We also have a list of some of the other vaccine clinics around the region. Just go to KUAF.com and look for the tab near the top that says, find a COVID-19 vaccine near me. This is KUAF 91.3 FM, Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Bentonville, and Eureka Springs. Timothy Dennis produced today's show. Contributors included Jacqueline Froelich and Randy Dixon with the David and Barbara Pryor Center for Arkansas Oral and Visual History. You can find out more by just putting the Pryor Center into a search engine. Scratching the Surface is produced by KUAF's Pete Hartman inside the Nancy Blair Operations Studio at the Carver Center for Public Radio. Jasper Logan is KUAF's community liaison. He produces The Lunch Hour. Our theme is written and performed by Daryl Shawn. You can find out more about Daryl and his music wherever you look for music online. We also had help today from KUAR, the public radio and NPR affiliate in Little Rock and Central Arkansas. Thank you so much for your time and attention. We will return tomorrow at noon and 7 p.m. with a brand new show. From the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio, I'm Kyle Kellums. Please take care of yourself.